The reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 33. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master looked, took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you. This is the word of the Lord. It's a, a great joy and privilege to be here. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Ian. I almost feel I don't need to preach. That was a, a beautiful, beautiful image of the, the, the chicken and caring and protecting the chicks. I know that uh, St. Saviour's has had a long history of faithful biblical preaching. And uh, you, you are a people who love the word of God and seek uh, to live by it and to put it into action in daily life. And you've been faithful to a legacy that's been implanted into this church as part of your history. But I also just want to say, we're also to be a church of the spirit. I grew up with a chap called David Watson and John Collins, and I just remember David Watson saying often, a church that is all word will dry up. A church that is all spirit might blow up. A church that is word and spirit will grow up. And I think those words are incredibly apposite and truthful. Uh, I remember in the 80s meeting a great Pentecostal uh, leader, uh, Dr. David Duplessis. 
from South Africa. I was brought up in South Africa, and I remember him speaking about the primacy of forgiveness. He was known across the Christian world as Mr. Pentecost. He had a remarkable impact on the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, he said these words about forgiveness. He said, miracles don't persuade many people that Jesus was God. But when the Lamb of God was dying on the cross of Calvary, and when he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, the success of Christianity was assured. The success of Christianity was assured. Forgiveness has a remarkable power to release the kingdom of God. And the miracle of forgiveness that we saw on the cross paved the way for the gift of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came upon the church and as they began to share what God had done, uh, thousands of people became followers of Jesus. One of the factors in the formation of a disciple uh, of Jesus is the commitment to forgive. I remember David de Plessé saying that God said to him, because he had a, a ministry across all the denominations, uh, saying to him, before you talk to leaders, you have to be forgiving. Make sure you don't hold a grudge against anything they teach, they preach, or they practice. Forgive totally. And forgiveness is unconditional. You can't really love anyone unless you've learned to forgive everyone. And I think one of the reasons why there's so often disunity in the church is that not all that many of us forgive consistently day by day. David again said to leaders, and I find this very challenging, if you will take the great truths of the gospel out of your theological deep freezers and get them on the fire of the Holy Spirit, your churches will turn the world upside down. People are crying out for forgiveness. I just remember uh, someone on the television, a drug addict, was being asked by an interviewer, why, why do you do it? And he said, I have such pain in my life, I have to drown it out. You know, this gift of forgiveness is something that could touch and change the world. It's one of the most important uh, elements of the Christian faith. Jesus put this key of forgiveness into the disciples' hands. And in this passage in Matthew 18, He's talking to the community of faith, uh, how to live together in a life-giving way. He gives us a model of dealing with hurt and issues. And if we believe that we should never be hurt or we should never hurt anyone, we're living in cloud cuckoo land. Part of being human is that we live in a broken world and we are broken people. And that's why Forgiveness is so important. 
And the church here in this passage that Jesus is speaking to is to take responsibility for keeping healthy relationships. And this passage follows the question that Jesus was asked by Peter, uh, a very pertinent question. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive them? As many as seven times? Now, the Jewish tradition said, give them four times and then let them have it. (laughs) So Peter's being incredibly generous when he says seven times, but he's staggered by the answer that Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And there's an element of teasing and hyperbole here, but what effectively Jesus is saying is that if you're counting the times you've been hurt, you're just postponing revenge. But actually, if you forgive, you're releasing yourself and that person. I love this, that you know forgiveness is not a mathematical formula. It's a relational necessity. And the church is given this key to use to bring freedom to the captives. We're to be initiators of taking this good news out to the world. Forgiveness is a golden key that unlocks chains and sets us free. Now, in the story that Jesus told, uh, it's a wonderful illustration of actually showing mercy. Um, And the the two figures in this story, there's the manager of the estate who owned his master, something like a million plus pounds. It was a great estate that he cared for, and he was in debt. And he came to his master, um, who asked him to give account for what he was stewarding. And it, it became clear that actually uh, a lot of money had been lost. And he pleaded with his master, have patience with me and I will pay you back all. And the master heard the cry of his heart. The master being a picture of God the Father. And he forgave him the dead. He canceled it, he wiped it clean. And then he goes out, imagine what it must have been like to go out with that burden lifted. And he goes out and he sees this other servant who owes him something like 10 pounds, which was quite a a few months' wages. And he forgets what he's received. And he takes hold of this servant and says, pay me back what you owe. And the servant cries the very same words, have patience on me and I will pay you all. And he doesn't have patience. He throws him into prison. Now the other servants who are under this steward are really (coughs) aggrieved and concerned and feel very threatened. And they go back to the owner and say what has happened. And the owner is really angry uh, with the, the, the servant who's treated his fellow servant in this way. And he says to this servant in verse 32 of chapter 18, you wicked servant, I cancel the debt because you begged me to. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, he handed him over to the jailers 
to be tortured until he should pay back the debt. Now that word tortured is a very vivid image. And I think what it is saying is that actually where we withhold forgiveness is not only the person who's hurt us that shut out, but we are poisoning ourselves. We are hurt. Uh, and uh, that is very dangerous in a community of faith. You know, forgiveness is like the fresh air in our lungs. We breathe in fresh air, but we have to expel the air that's already there in order to take a fresh breath. And if we withhold the breath of forgiveness from another person, we won't be able to take in a fresh breath ourselves. When we fail to forgive, we imprison ourselves and the offender to that moment of hurt. Now, in the story here, it says that the king is angry with his servant. Why is he angry? Because he's failed, forgiveness has failed to occur. You know, despite his best efforts, forgiveness is not something that God can accomplish alone. He requires us to be releasing it to others. And the result, it is only fully realized in the context of community when mercy is shown and reconciliation and transformation are taking place. You see, the parable is not a story <clears throat> about a king or, or, or a God who, who forgives and then takes it back. He's not like that. It's rather a story of a servant who does not participate in the forgiveness that extended to him and therefore hurts himself and the community. He fails to see that the king is offering to him and to those around him a new way of living, a way that's rejuvenating and life-giving. And every time we forgive one another, we pass on a drop of refreshing water from the bucketful that God has given to us. There are two stories I just want to tell you, uh, which are about forgiveness and reconciliation. I remember hearing Dr. Sheila Cassidy, who was a missionary doctor in um, South, Africa, South America under the Pinochet regime in Chile. And she was treating government forces who were fighting the guerrillas. And she was also treating in that hospital the guerrillas. She made no distinction. She was a doctor. She was to extend her skill and mercy to all who needed it. <coughs> she was arrested <coughs> by the government and she was put into prison and she was given electrical shocks through her body and even in her vagina. And she was eventually released. <clears throat> but this is what she said, incredibly powerful words. I can only say, however much we've been wronged, however justified our hatred, if we cherish it, it will poison us. Hatred is a devil to be cast out. And we must pray for the power to forgive, for it's in forgiving 
that our enemies and we are healed. She grasped the gospel of Christ. And the other story is very much more recent. You might have heard of it. Uh, there's a picture that's coming up <clears throat> of a person called Eva Kaur and Oscar Groening. There's Eva. Uh, she was in Auschwitz with her twin sister and they were subject to medical experiments uh, which actually resulted in the early death of her sister. <clears throat> and uh, she uh, was at the trial of a chap called Oscar Groening um, <clears throat> who was in his 90s in Germany. He was the bookkeeper of Auschwitz. And in the trial, she walked over to shake hands with Oscar Groening. And involuntarily, he reached out, pulled her down, and gave her a hug, a kiss. And this is what she said. Um, she was castigated for doing this by her Jewish people. But she had realized that forgiveness was essential to life. She said in her testimony, I told him that I forgave him and I forgave all the Nazis. I could not have done that 22 years ago. I was angry with the world. I was angry with everybody. I yelled a lot and I was unhappy. And she decided in a moment to write a letter to the, of forgiveness to the Nazi doctor who had caused her, her sister's death, early death. And she said this, I realized something more important to me. I had the power to do this. Nobody could take, give me that power. Nobody could take it away. Up to that time in my life, I always reacted to what people did to me. Now I was initiating the action. The idea that I could heal myself was and still is the most amazing thing I've ever discovered. I realized I was no longer a victim of Auschwitz or a prisoner of my past. I was free. Forgiveness is an act of self-healing and self-liberation and self-empowerment. I refuse to be a victim. That's why I'm so passionate about forgiveness, for it's the seed of peace. I mentioned at the beginning that forgiveness is one of the keys of a discipleship of Jesus. Now, some years ago, I was given uh, a, a wonderful uh, gift came through the post and it's a big church key and on the inside um, it has two verses I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven it's in this passage Matthew 16 and 18 and then uh, Psalm 24 lift up your heads O ye gates be ye lift up ye ancient doors and it's about opening the ancient doors now, I just want to show you this key, because if you look, what do you see in the lock mechanism? What do you see there? A cross. A cross. It's a cross. And actually, the cross is the key. The cross is what we've experienced, and it's the key to releasing us and to releasing one another. And if you look 
also at the mechanism where you hold the key. What shape do you see? A heart, that's right, a heart. And you know, Jesus' ministry, it's so often said in the scripture that he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. And in this lovely story, you see the compassion of God, that he's willing to forgive and to release everything that we've done which we feel regret and shame over. He's willing to do that. And actually the thing about this key is he gave it to the church. You know, no other faith has the key of forgiveness. And he puts this in our hands. And actually this key is no good if it just remains in my study as an ornament. Actually, it has to be put into the locking mechanism to unlock it. And that's what God is saying to us, his church, that actually he's given us this key of forgiveness in order to bring release uh, to others. And I just ask this question, how well are we using this key? You know, I, I, I really believe God is saying that I put this key in your hands. I want you to use it. Because actually, to use it is to unlock the door for so many people out in that world that you live in that are hurting. You know, in our marriage, in our family, in our church community, in our workplaces, this is where we need to use this key. I had a sense of uh, a family here, and it may be more than one, where there's uh, a son uh, who's been estranged from the family, who's caused great hurt, and there has been no, no response, no relationship uh, in the family for many, many years. You know, it may be that to extend forgiveness to him, to in our hearts to let go of the hurt and to seek to reach out and bless him, even in our prayers, I tell you, you may see miracles taking place. A cousin of my son's was estranged from his family um, through the divorce and breakup and no contact whatsoever. And Annie's mother, wonderful woman of prayer, prayed for him for 25 years. No address, nothing she could get in contact. And in this nursing home, I'm really moved by this, in this nursing home, suddenly one day this chap appeared with his wife and two children. She was overjoyed. But actually she had been praying, blessing him. And actually I think in the unseen world something was happening where God was touching his life. And you know, as we come to the communion, we're reminded of Jesus' words. Uh, when you're offering your gift at the altar, you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift, be reconciled to your brother, and come and offer your gift. When you stand praying, forgive. 
if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Now, I'm not just saying this to you. I'm preaching to myself. Because forgiveness is a constant act of the will. It's mean, afiemen means to let go. And uh, in this communion service, we come to the Lord to receive forgiveness. But he's saying to us, let go of the hurt and extend my forgiveness to a broken world. Thank you.